this is uh, now this is a very straightforward, but in some ways I'll say brutal chapter. Brutal in the sense that Joko's not willing to tolerate or put up with um, nonsense. Um, and uh, I won't uh, go into the um, uh, questions and answers this week. We'll do that next week. But she makes it very clear in the title. The title of this chapter is called Curiosity and Obsession. And obsession is talking about all the ways that we believe preconceptions, all the ways we believe stories um, that, in a sense, blind us to who we are, blind us to what our life is, or, if I say it a different way, that keeps us entangled in thinking, emoting, and so forth, and not being willing to do the very simple and straightforward looking at what's going on, whether you call it labeling, not why, but what. What am I thinking? What am I believing? What, are, what is feeling there? Noticing thoughts and reactions in a very simple way. Instead of believing them and acting out on them. And then being, in a sense, bodily present, rather than acting on our thoughts, on our anger, on our fear, rather than spinning off into them. Or, as Joko says, we like to let our loops grow and grow. We really enjoy them until we begin to realize that they wreck our lives. So it's very simple. And yet, the point is, we wreck our lives. No one else can wreck our lives except us. And we do it when we believe and entangle ourselves in the thoughts. When we fool ourselves with our stories. So, I don't, don't want to say anything more at the moment. But I'd rather we all discuss this chapter. And again, as I said, just see if you could just stick for, in terms of the pages, to the, the first few pages, 193 to 197, which is plenty. And then next week we'll go in, we'll sort of go over it further and look at the questions and answers. Yes, but he doesn't mean study in, in the way we usually take the words. Well, he means in the way she's talking. That's, that's right. Simply 
simply see, or, or she's saying label it, in order to then be able to forget. Because once we label it, then we, in a sense, let it go and be the bodily experiencing. Which is the experiencing of life, this moment, inside, outside, if I say it in that way. Yeah, I wonder what the actual Japanese word was that we translate as study, but regardless... It, it's, the word is naru, I think, which means, it does mean to study or to, to attend to. Attend to. Attend to, but study is, is fine. It's, it's what you said, you said one, you said, you know, notice what we believe. Um, on the first page in the second paragraph, it begins, if we are truly curious, we investigate without any preconceptions. Uh-huh. Well, okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, the second sentence says, we suspend our beliefs. She's talking about suspending our beliefs. And just observe, just notice. I mean, <clears throat> you know, investigate without preconceptions and suspending our beliefs. You know, as Macbeth said, therein lies the rub. We're, we're rarely aware of our preconceptions or that, you know, we base our perception on our beliefs which we're rarely aware of. That's why we label thoughts not in order to further figure out anything about them, not to do anything more than simply become familiar with the fact that they've appeared and disappeared. It, that's the, the, the sense of suspending them, it means we suspend our holding on to them and we suspend our saying, yes, this is the way it is, by simply noticing it. Because we notice it with an attitude of, let us say, to an extent, an attitude of dispassion, an attitude of noticing and then, in a sense, opening up the holding on to it, which is the dispassionate or the unenchanted in it, then that's what enables us to be the experiencing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, a couple of things about that. Um, you know, our beliefs manifest, it seems to me, not, not so much in thoughts and ideas, although it does manifest that way too, but more importantly, I think, and fundamentally, it man- our beliefs manifest, our preconceptions manifest themselves in our feelings, how mm-hmm. we feel all about something. Yes. We feel upset or we feel, um, you know, confused or we feel angry or we feel sad. And, and a lot of our thought process derives itself from that basic feeling. And I think it's interesting because Joko in one of the previous chapters kind of stresses that we really need to be aware and conscious of this fundamental foundation of feeling that tends to provide a thought process and the other thing I was going to mention was this is interesting to me because I'm reading a book on neuroscience and uh, how the brain functions 
at least what they know to date about how the brain functions. It's very interesting because they're, this is what they're talking about. They're, they're talking about from a neurological perspective how the brain tends to strengthen and reinforce persistent thought processes. Yes. Um, and how we, and like we talk about getting caught up or holding on to. You know, they talk about it in a neurological sense, but it's, it's interesting. It's the exact same thing. Yes. So I just thought that was interesting. Now, now, we sometimes say emotion, thought, so that we could have both the thought and the so-called feeling part. <clears throat> Different ways of saying it, but it's the holding on to it rather than, as Joko says, the noticing and then in the dropping it by opening up to the pres to the bodily experiencing or opening up to the not knowing or whichever way you want to talk about it um, it's it's going against or the opposite of what we usually do when we notice is we we therefore add on the extra layer or or the icing of the emotion, and then use that as a basis to further go and entangle or loop, or to use a word that she uses here, with with it. Um, you know, I feel so terrible that I, you know, he did that. I feel so terrible. It, he hurt me so much. I'm so angry about it. It's not right. It shouldn't happen. He always does it etc., etc. If we don't at some point notice that, then we are tying ourselves with invisible um, ropes. But despite the fact that they're invisible and immaterial, we can get very tied up and very pained by them. That's why sometimes... In, in Buddhist terms, it's called enchantment or called delusion. Well, it's interesting. The, the book I'm reading uses that very word, except in a different context. It talks about loops in terms of neural circuits. But yet this is what we're talking about here. Yeah. And they're saying that, that we strengthen them, but we give them energy and persistence and strength by becoming entangled in them, mm-hmm. in the loop itself, as opposed to being the experiencer or what we might say observer of it, which takes energy and strength and persistence away from the neural circuit loop, which is the way they talked about it. Very interesting. And the more we are entangled in it, the less we can see and do what needs to be done because we're um, immobilized or we're redirected into ways that are not skillful and not appropriate for what's going on. We can't even see what's going on because what we see is our own loop story. Uh, So we become loopy, to use a a word, um, and therefore can't function. Yeah, no, that is. Um, Yeah, and, and we, you know, the neural circuit, if I can continue on my analogy from this reading I'm doing, it, it, it tends to draw and absorb more mental energy into it the less we're aware of what's actually happening. Yes. And what we need to do, each of us, 
is to become familiar and intimate with our particular way of doing it right now. We don't have to do it like anyone else does. In fact, we can't, because what's important is how it is and what is so for us. Um, And because it's for us, we're capable of it. No one else is capable of it, because it's our own loops. Um, uh, It's our style and habits. Um, and we start becoming familiar with it by noticing where, when it arises, we start becoming um, familiar with the texture and the pattern, not because it's important to be able to list out any of those things. That's just more thinking about it. We become familiar naturally in the process of labeling, in the process of experiencing, in the process of seeing and investigating, whichever words you want to use. And you don't have to keep track of it because you naturally begin to know it. So it's not something in order to give yourself a whole new set of stories about, oh, this is my loop, I'm like this, and I'm like that, and I'm like this, and I'm like that. You might discover some of that, but you're not like any of that. That just happens to be the loop that's happening now. As soon as we, as soon as we give this, ourselves the story that I am this and this way, that much we solidify our loops. Yeah. You still there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you used the word, did you use the word brutal? She's brutal in this chapter? Did Sometimes, yes. Well, you know, that, I'm not sure what you mean by that. I, the reason I say that is because for me in reading this chapter, it just seemed um, so, I hate to use the word obvious, but so common, so human. Uh-huh. This is something we all experience every day. Yes. This looping, this, this, you know, what we what we're calling now, getting caught up in emotion, thought. We all experience this every day. What could be more obvious? Well, sometimes we don't like to hear that we're fooling ourselves. Sometimes we don't like to hear that we're sabotaging uh, um, things. Um, those are the kinds of things that she says, just straightforward. I mean, it's not in a sense to, to. Um, brutalize anyone but in the sense that it's just really shows us straightforward it, if you want to say it shows us a mirror of what habits occur and sometimes we'd rather have another story than than look in the mirror and see oh that's what i'm doing oh that's what i'm doing oh that's what i'm doing we don't want to see that we'd rather say no, it's his fault. No, it's her fault. They did it to me, or whatever else. I'm just unlucky, or whatever. Well, it's... Well, this, is, this is Joko's tough love. <laughs> yes, sometimes. Well, I, had, I had a little bit of that feeling, Just, I think it was just yesterday. I mean, uh, uh, what you were just talking about, Daniel, like a, quite uh-huh. of a, kind of a splash of cold water, in a sense, where... I, well, it was earlier this week or something, I was really having a lot of physical 
um, and emotional, you know, problem, you know, things arising around my work and and everything. And then at one point, um, what came into my mind was a line from one of the recent chapters that we that we read. Um, where she says something like to the effect of, well, if you if you're still if you're thinking that um, someone or some circumstance um, is uh, is is making you upset or is is causing your upset or something like that, then then you see where your work still is, you know, mm-hmm. and that that came to me right as I was just in the thick of this whole thing about work and and dealing with you know physical and emotional stuff and and I just it stopped my my mind you know for a minute and and I realized you know that you know I mean I hadn't necessarily been talking to anyone about it but but yes I was I was and and if you'd said to me you know well you know that it's your reactions to things and not the actual situation that that is causing this pain, right? I would have said, "Oh, yeah, absolutely." You know, but <laughs> but I did, but I did not see it. You know, I just didn't see it in that little space of 24 hours or whatever that I was really going, or a couple days I was really going up. You know, I mean, I I was just barely aware that there was this loop of. I guess of you know oh this is so terrible I can't do this I blah 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 you know on and on like that and um, I, I was sort of not aware enough to be able to really separate myself from it but as soon as I thought of that line about you know if you're still thinking that something else um, outside of you is causing you can, this pain or whatever um, then then that's where you need to work you know and it just it helped me a lot although. Um, like you said, you know, in terms of brutal, I mean, it did feel a bit brutal. I mean, it, it's it, it's brutal from the point of view of, I don't want to see this. I don't want to acknowledge my resistance, if I use that word. I don't want to acknowledge that I'm sabotaging uh, th- this, the, the events right here by blaming or um, becoming angry. Um, right, exactly. I mean, that's hard to see. Uh, yes, and it, it's, it's, it's hard to see because we don't want, we still have an idea that noticing has to be about noticing what's so, what I think is so-called good and no, not noticing any things that are so-called bad because if bad thoughts come up, that's my fault and all sorts of other judgments judgments are irrelevant. There isn't good thoughts or bad thoughts. They're simply thoughts or emotions. If we add on the judgment about what thoughts arise, that if we add on judgments, these thoughts shouldn't arise. So despite the fact that they arose, it must be someone else's fault. It must be, um, etc. Then we, we can't even sit we can't even notice anything that we don't want. Instead, we have we run to a, a loop about why it's here and whose fault it is and who's to blame, and or we blame ourselves, and then we beat ourselves over the head for being so terrible and having such thoughts and feelings arise, which is irrelevant. I remember someone once told me when I started sitting 
they said, Sashin is like shoveling shit all day. Um, which, which is simply, we sit and sometimes shit shows up. Whatever you want to call shit. Um, uh, which is things that you don't want to, to acknowledge that that somehow is arising as the emotion thought of my life at this moment. I can't have thoughts or feelings like this. I can't, I don't say such things. These, these sorts of feelings are, are intolerable for me, so they couldn't arise in my life. It's someone else's fault that they're there, etc., etc. You know, it's them who are wrecking my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. Maybe a first place to start in that, and and I'm trying to work on this. Is, is feel it in your body. So you feel what Joko talks about the contraction, or for me, it's in my jaw, and yes. that's a forewarning to look deeper. Yes. My body's telling me first, even before my mind. Yes, it, it, you're right. Could be that as when we notice that we, we it, it's the being willing to be that, and then often what comes up, not always, but is this shouldn't be here. How come I'm feeling this way? There's something wrong that I'm feeling this way, or or whatever. And I'm being simplifying it, but it it's has to be how it is. For you at this moment. That's why, as uh, Mushin mentioned, studying the self means studying as it is, not as it should be, because I am, and whatever, I'm a good student, I'm a good practitioner, therefore I only have good thoughts or good feelings, and I never have anger and no greed and no jealousy and no fear and whatever else the no things are. Or, or no contractions and tightness. That's not me. If we live in that kind of life, then we can't be the present moment. We can't investigate with not knowing. Instead, we're investigating based on what I know is going to be. Therefore, I'm not open except to what I allow to be. Therefore, I'm not curious about what isn't the way I want it to be, what shouldn't arise in my mind. And if it's there, someone else is at fault for it. It's my partners, my bosses, my friends, my parents, my the universe's fault that this feeling is here, but I don't have to notice it and I have, it has nothing to do with me. And then we get stuck in that whole story. See? That's self-centeredness that keeps us from being the present moment. That's not being willing to forget the self and studying the self. Today I, I saw a poster on the back of a bus here in Champaign. Um, it's advertising a seminar. It's going to occur, I think, next month. But the poster uh, 
The title was The Power and Stillness. And um, it actually is by um, sponsored by a Christian group that was, was on the poster. But I thought it was very interesting to be reminded as I was driving of the power of stillness um, in, in terms of these loops that we get that I get into um, and just the usefulness of, of that. And the stillness is always available because the stillness allows the loop to um, uncoil themselves by allowing them to arise and allowing them to pass and not, in a sense, giving it energy or not entangling in it. So we have, you could say, the curiosity and the open space. And the open space just means experiencing. Curiosity means just noticing and seeing what's so, rather than having to explain it, make excuses for it, figure out what to do with it, or figure out why it's here, or so on and so forth. So yes, and the whole universe all the time, doesn't matter who who uh, um, uh, is the source of, of something that, you, that uh, uh, triggers your ability to come back to the fundamental that your life is. You could say stillness, but it's, also, it's stillness in which there is movement. It's stillness of, that allows for responding. So it's a stillness, but it's not a stillness in the sense that it hinders the functioning of being human. When you're driving... Please don't be still, but use your feet and your arms to make sure you direct the car correctly. When you're sitting zazen, that's that, then the stillness is in sitting zazen and sit still. Then don't use your arms and, <laughs> and legs. But, so there's stillness in movement and movement in stillness, and there's stillness of just being the experiencing. And experiencing is a natural process. You don't have to do it. You can forget yourself because you don't have to direct it. It does it. It does you. Yeah, I think you bring up an important point, Genyo. I think sometimes we, at least, I've heard people talk in this way, in this sense that, as if stillness, this idea of stillness, is something that we have to create. Uh, or find we, we have to become some sort of special mind state to experience this stillness but what you're saying is we're always this stillness unless we're caught up in emotion thought emotion stillness is what observes and what experiences thoughts and feelings and everything else Anyone else who who hasn't spoken, or even if you have spoken, if you want to say something? Well, this curiosity interests me. 
Um, and I go back to the pain in the jaw. Yes. And sometimes, you know, I don't know why it's there. Yes. And then I'd be, oh, well, my shoulder's a little tight, too. I get curious about the rest of me. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's going on in your head? And But then I attach another loop to that, and I want to analyze it. Why? Uh. But to leave that why off... <laughs> When I was a kid, we used to say, Y is a crooked letter. (laughs) Now, in a way, that's just a joke. And there's nothing wrong with asking why in the appropriate place. So, if you're looking under a sink, you could ask, why is it wet here? And then you could look up and see where there's a drip or a leak and so on and so forth. But, there's... As you say, often why is distracts us from doing what's called for, but rather it takes us in the direction of whose fault is it, um, what can I blame, uh, what's the reason, what's the story behind it. Rather, but, when, but when you say that, you know, then it, it almost sounds like you're saying that you don't think insight is of the value. Insight comes not because we ask why, it comes of itself in the process of practice. Insight is very important. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see the distinction, I think, that you're making there. Yeah, Yeah. insight is fundamental to our practice. But insight comes out of being present, out of being disenchanted. Then we realize in the process of being alive and being human, we have insight into the nature of our life. If you want to use even formal Buddhist terms, you have insight into the interconnectedness, impermanence, ongoing change. If you want to say insight into the fundamental non-fixed self. Um, All of those occur naturally, not because you went looking why. I mean, why can be part of a, a, a practice, but it has to be used in a, in, a, in a skillful way because otherwise it tangles us in loops. Um, mm-hmm. So, no, I agree with you, insight is important. Insight is fundamental. And insight isn't in the way that we usually think of insight. Because usually insight becomes a way for me to justify my self-centeredness and my judgment and my blame. And, And in a technical sense, of course we need insight. Like I said, if you're trying to look where the leak's coming from, you need to examine, oh, it's that it's coming from that ceiling over there or it's coming from this fixture over here or that's why is there water here on the ground well let's see oh it's running from that broken hose or so on and so forth and that's a simple one I'm just just trying to get at the fact that I think that one can have insight into for instance causes and conditions some yes of some, you know, things that arise without getting into blame or, or fixing 
oneself as that kind of person or whatever. Yes, and insight naturally grows out of ongoing practice. And it comes in the process of being human. And each of us are human in our own particular combination of forces, so to speak, and combination of interconnectedness, um, interhumanness, interdependence with the universe, interbeing with the universe. And each is perfectly the combination of the forces that comes together as your life, as my life, as, and you go on from there. So, okay, I want to mention two things. One is, we, we have a class next week, and the week after that is is Sashin. Um, it's coming up pretty fast, amazingly. Next week is November 2nd, I think, is the date. And then the week after that is uh, is class. So, I would like us you need to look at the questions and answers that Joko has on this chapter and to reflect further on this chapter and then work with that next week and then and that until after Sashin that'll be what we do um, so but I also wanted to know if there's more that you all have to say tonight things in this chapter. Oh, I have it on my iPad, so I don't have your page number. Yeah, just start, tell us the beginning of the paragraph and we'll, we could find it. And it's the first sentence. <laughs> Sitting is not based on hope. It's based on not knowing. Mm-hmm. A simple openness and curiosity. Uh-huh. I don't know, but I can investigate. Yes. So, yeah, yes, it, it, it's the third, the uh, middle paragraph in 197. So, in a way, that's very good. It's very good because it allows us to notice when we add on to sitting something else, whether we're sitting in order to have such and such, or sitting because I know when I sit I'm going to, or... And in a way, we could use the words openness and curiosity to um, reflect onto our sitting and sense, does is this open or is this not open? Or what it would open sitting be? Um, as Joko says, the, the, the paragraph next, not the paragraph, the sentence after that, we all have our own particular style of failing to do this. See, that's very important, because what's important is, is not to know what everyone else's styles are, or not to know some ideal style, but to notice how I resist 
refuse, avoid being open, curious, sitting. Curious doesn't mean thinking about. Curious means open, if you want to say, whole body listening. If you want to say, whole body not knowing. Or, noticing when we know, believe, etc. Then, just a, a line or two after that, we like our loops better than we like life. That's all. Yeah. The loop is who we think we are. I'm this kind of person. Yes. And when she says better than we like life, means better than the life of the present moment, meaning all the senses inside, outside, meaning this moment, whole universe, that is our life right now. And the ways that those thoughts and entanglements cut us off, and being cut off is, of course, suffering. It's unsatisfactory because it just leads to problems. understand that actually I mean I remember telling you at one time during a session um, it terrifies me to think that I will not know who I am if I don't analyze it if I don't if I don't um, understand it from an intellectual point of view if I you know instead of uh, instead of opening myself to what is I resist that. I, yes. I, I hold on to that that uh, you know that that habitual way of looking at things, mm-hmm. and it is terrifying to me. I mean, you right. know, other people find find it joyous and, and enchanting, and oh boy, I get to jump in and you know have fun. And uh, to me, it's it's. Uh, and, and the terrifying is your entranceway. Pardon? The terrifying is your entranceway. In other words, it's the willingness to be open to experiencing bodily the terrifying when you notice the terrifying is there. Can you tolerate how that feels? Even though you sort of jump back from it as, order, as, you would, as if you were jumping back from a hot uh, stove, and yet then you approach it again and, and rest for a moment on the terrifying, even though you don't want to, because, not that you have to go looking for it, but if it's there, that's where and how the present moment of your life of your livingness is. And calling it terrifying is, in a way, a label that justifies running away from it and piercing that label of terrifying or that story of terrifying or that loop of terrifying is resting or opening to it, to, to experiencing it. And 
It might turn out that that's boring. You don't want to do it. It might be terrifying because it's boring as well. Fine. Also find I, my, my curiosity is piqued when I am terrified as well. Uh, <laughs> see, in, in a way, it, um, just a little further from where um, the, that quote was, um, Joko talks about how it could be boring. Um, and then a little further, she says, she brings up the question of what do you want to do this for? Of what importance is this? This meaning this willingness to be bored or to be terrified. Um, it's boring is our story about it. Our terrifying is another story. And I don't mean story in the sense to make light of it, but in the sense it's the emotion thought that we believe, oh, this is so boring, oh, this is so terrifying. However we experience it, those are just different facets of of the same unwillingness to be the way it is at this moment. And that's the the most, as Joko says, the most important practice. Because that's the present moment life or present moment in functioning of this moment, of the experiencing of your body-mind, if I use that kind of word, of body-mind universe. That's why in one sense sitting is so simple and at the same time in one sense, sitting is so difficult. Okay, why don't we stop here? But as I said, please attend to read the questions and answers because she further elaborates it. And you can reread the, the, the beginning of the chapter and we'll talk about that next week. Okay? Okay. Okay. Good. Well, good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.